Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, um, I guess just jumping into today's message, um, we're talking about the end times today specifically. And as we go throughout this whole month talking about these hard topics, what do we mean by hard topics is just really the things that are difficult to talk about. Um, And uh, starting off today with the end times, I want to give, I really want to give a preface of the idea of the end times for being right now. And I want us to really look at the perspective of where we are in America, the perspective of where we are in the world, and look at it compared to everybody else in the world. And so uh, as we talk about things, I want to let you know very clearly that this is a Christian message. I mean, mm-hmm. we're a church, right? And we really are talking from a biased perspective of our faith. And so there's plenty of people that would disagree with what we're talking about today. But the, the point of us talking about what we're talking about is for the bettering of our faith, for the edification of our faith, mm-hmm. our Christian faith, for us to have a better walk um, in our, our relationship with God. And so all of this today is based off of that. I hope that's really clear and that we're not, uh, there's no intention of wanting to step on people's toes, but mm-hmm. we have to grow in our faith, and that requires us to talk about it. Right. And so, as we get into the end times, the end times are always fun to talk about, right? <laughs> um, people are either like, oh, like I, I want to know more about this, or it's like, I'm going to log off. Yeah. And <laughs> we, it's either one of those, right? And wherever you're at, I, I want you to stay tuned because... The more that we get to learn about the end times, the way that the Bible describes it, really the more confident you should feel about it because it really does give a clear imagery. And I want us to, to folk, we're going to, I want to make it also clear that this is not a revelation study today, that we're really going to go over a lot of generalities. We're going to not go into the high intense details. Um, I want to first by starting off going over timelines, uh, timelines, uh, real quick. I want to say, Hey to crystal. What's up, Stephanie, uh, Julian, Edward, Mallory. Glad you uh, could join. Yeah. All all you guys. I'm so glad y'all could be a part. Um, and so we're going to start off with timelines. Timelines are really important thing to try to grasp within the book of revelation, within the whole context of the end times. And, Revelation, the way it's written, is is not a speci- it's not just a linear timeline. Revelation is actually goes back and forth a lot. It it kind of gives like a whole general layout, and then it it's almost like it goes back to Act One, Part Two, and it really goes into it jumps back and forth in time. Mm-hmm. You see this in Genesis actually when you read Genesis. It, it gives a whole layout of one to seven days and in uh, day six where man is created. And then in the next chapter, 
it goes into the more detail of how man, uh, man and woman was created. And so it's not a linear timeline. It, it says it all and then it goes back. And again, that's the way Revelation is written to where it, that's why so many people get confused mm. um, because it seems like it's just like all over the place because it is. <laughs> but when you understand that, it makes it a lot more um, easy to read. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to emphasize first the idea of the rapture. We are a church that we lean towards the side of believing that God's people would be raptured before tribulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that means is all the tribulations that we read about in the end times, we believe that God saves those who were ready and waiting for him from the pain of all those tribulations. Now, if we're wrong, oh well, but if we're right, great. It, it's not, this shouldn't be a maker or breaker of your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something that you believe in or not. Uh, we believe in the rapture because... Um, it uh, it's almost like God's sleight of hand to where the devil constantly copycats God and the Bible and the rapture, the idea of God uh, protecting and taking away, uh, taking all of his people away that uh, were believers is like something that the devil cannot copycat. Even the Antichrist copy, tries to copycat Jesus when it says that he'll be injured and seem as he, he would injure his head and seem as though he was dead, but then recover. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like Kim Jong-un, right? Yeah, like, that's kind of <laughs> weird. Yeah. Um, but it, it miraculously recover. It's a, it's a copycat of the resurrection. So First, I want to read some scripture in Revelation chapter, 1st uh, Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 to 41. The way that we're going to just go over real quick is a timeline. We're going to talk about the rapture, martyrdom, tribulations, oops, tribulations, and then judgment day. And so, scriptures to look at for the rapture is Matthew 24, verses 36 through 41. It says, however, this is Jesus talking. No one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. Mm-hmm. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize what uh, what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour in the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Mm. This is the, the, it's scriptures like this that gives us an uh, idea of what the rapture is. Yeah. The, rap- the word rapture is not in the Bible. We just have imagery of it. It's kind of like the Trinity. The word Trinity is not in the Bible, but we see the clear imagery of it. Um, Revelation chapter 14, verses 14 through 16, it says, I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like the Son of Man, with a crown of gold on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand, talking about Jesus, with a sickle in his hand, Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so we're seeing this imagery of 
the rapture, people being taken. And so just to kind of give a timeline of what we see in scripture is that there's a rapture, then there's uh, great tribulations. There's, uh, there's pretty much all hell breaking loose on earth and the world is just engulfed in sin and tribulations, sin and wrath all over the world. And we also see an imagery of martyrdom. We see this imagery that people who do not take the mark of the beast are beheaded. Those who claim to be followers of Christ will be persecuted heavily to death. And going into that, um, in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, it says, When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of the altar, the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they have done to us? Then a white robe was given to each of them and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, who were to be martyred, had joined them. Then in Revelation chapter 14, verse 9 through 13 says, A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in its image and receive its mark on the forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented, burning with sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for they, for those who worship the beast in its image or for anyone who receives its mark, the mark of its name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the name of the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. And so the reason I wanted to read all this is, is to kind of catch us up on this idea that there's a set. Let's look at scripture say, showing that there's a rapture. Those the rapture uh, will get a lot more into a minute. But it's the idea of people who are expecting Jesus's return, those who are living, you know, uh, righteous, holy lives and, and um, living as Christ asked them to live, mm-hmm. being raptured and called. And being uh, spared all the tribulations and all of this pain. And then those of you guys, I mean, all of us have been alive long enough to know that there's a lot of us who we do believe in God. We do believe in Christ, but we know we're not living the way we should be. Well, this martyrdom is what's describing the people who were not raptured. Those who believe, but were not expecting Jesus' return. Mm -hmm. And there's so much scripture that talks about that. And it's almost like this martyrdom is their chance of redemption. Mm-hmm. And it's a very high price because it says the way that's described that all those believers that were not ready end up getting left in tribulation and their way of redemption is keeping the faith, keeping their faith in Jesus. But because of how wicked the world becomes after that point, it says that every single believer that keeps their faith will be killed mm-hmm. and Notice how the scripture is saying that great patient endurance is needed for Christians in that time until the full number of brothers and sisters uh, are martyred. And so it's saying that pretty much until every Christian left is killed off, then judgment day happens. Mm-hmm. And, and so 
martyrdom is that last that I mean like talk about the grace of God though like those of us who were still like known all of our lives what we ought to do but did not do it and then God still leaves another second chance he he God is just a continual redeemer and it says now moving forward all the tribulations happen in revelation chapter 14 says another angel came out of the temple and he too had a sharp sickle still another angel who had char- uh, had charge of the fire came from the altar and called out in a loud voice for he had uh, the sharp sickle take your sharp sickle gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine because the grapes are ripe Ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered the grapes, and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. And they were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as a horse's bridle for a distance of 1600 stadia. And so what this is, this is the scripture right after the sickle of the harvest, that the, the, the harvest done by Jesus. And now this angel that's not named has the, angel, the, the duty of swiping his sickle and it, it's just blood. It's just war. It's just a death. It's all of the tribulations being acted upon that we read about in scripture. And, and so all of these tribulations happen, and it says that as the tribulations continued, that people began to, that instead of repenting, that they would curse God even more. Mm-hmm. And it goes all the way to Judgment Day. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10 through 15 says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire and so we're seeing a lot of imagery on judgment day of hades of death of uh, this lake of fire and i would really encourage you guys to look back at our messages from last year we did a whole series on hell and we talked about the difference between hades um, gehenna and what the the final death of the the hell that we know is hades is like a holding place described in the Bible of souls and hell that we know it as is the finality of death. Hell, uh, and so in this, in this last imagery on judgment day, it's like what we expect and what we know about most. And it's this idea of all of the world being judged And the Bible is so clear about how we are judged on what we have done and what kind of lives we lived. Mm-hmm. And so, just just kind of retrimming our timeline. We talked about the rapture. That Then we talked about how those who were not ready for the rapture got their second chance but had to go through martyrdom. Then we talked about all the tribulations that were happening during that time. Sinfulness and, and wrath just flowing all over the earth. And then judgment day being the final 
time. So before we move on, I know that we went through a lot of stuff right now, Lauren, mm-hmm. but what are your thoughts about what we just talked about? Um, well, I have different thoughts, and if I, I'm going to start at the beginning of what yeah. you talked about with the rapture, but I think, um, you know, one thought before even getting into that, like it's so important for Christians, no matter where you're at in our walk, you know, to just really not be afraid of learning about the end times of learning about the book of revelation, because the book of revelation says blessed are those who read this book. And why are you blessed? Because you have the knowledge to know as a Christian, what is to be expected. You are blessed because if you are a Christian following Jesus, all this stuff, though it may seem scary or weird or what's going on, if you have your hope in Jesus, there is a reward at the end. There yeah. is eternal life to be with Jesus. And in Revelations, it says there is no more sorrow, no more tears, no more disease, no more death. There is a place of paradise. There is a place of um, perfect, like God's presence. You know, those times when you're in God's presence, if you've had, you know, an opportunity to fill that or whatever that looks like for you, your special moment with God, but like forever, you know? And so just know that with all of this, if you have your hope in Jesus, it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be dreadful because at the end of it all, yeah. if you have your hope in Jesus, there is a there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, this life is temporary, even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes. It feels you know, we're, every day can be long days and we're trying to live this life with purpose, but we have to remember that, that this is only a temporary home yeah. and that eternally heaven was made for us to be with Jesus and to live a life that we can't even imagine. And, you know, so just know that there is hope and you don't have to be afraid. And the Bible says you are blessed when you read this yeah. book. And as Christians, we don't want to just be these emotional feel good Christians like I love God I worship I go to church all that my favorite song is oceans and and you know like um yeah go Jesus right um I have my little cross tattoo and we're good to go oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just saying You're I'm like saying yeah, no I mean I want actually want one that'd be cute but my point is <laughs> my point is is we don't want to just be labeled a Christian and be a cute Christian we want to be a smart mm. strong independent Christian who knows what's up you know I like we, how you said independent yeah you, you know I was it. getting into it you know but we want to know what's up. We want to, We need to have that backbone and we need to have that desire yeah. as Christians to know what we represent, to know what's coming, to know um, who we are and what Jesus did for us. Not just to feel good when we need a pick-me-up. Jesus is not just something that makes mm. you feel better at the time because you've had a hard life, you know. And so anyways, you know, going into these different tops, topics, when you talked about the rapture and the first scripture, I really like where... Um, it starts off by saying no one knows the day nor the hour when these things will happen. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us can remember so many random people all over the news or writing books. Oh, it's going to happen in 2012. It's going to happen in 2000. It's going to happen here. I even had a friend one time saying, I had a dream and it's going to happen April 27th of 2000. I was like, girl, did, have you read the Bible? Like no one's supposed to know. Yeah. yeah. And so my point is, is that there's going to be people that claim that they're Christians, that claim, you know, that they're this and that and super spiritual. But as when you get into the word and when you, um, as a Christian, understand what God is telling us, warning us about and informing us about, when people say these crazy things and these new teachings and say, hey, it's going to happen next year, or it's going to happen here. It even says the angels in heaven that are around God himself don't even know. And so I guess I could go on and on. But my point is with that is like, we have to remember, like when we read and understand the truth, the truth is, is no one knows and it will happen 
unexpectedly, yeah. just like the book of Noah and just like that scripture said, you know, I've, I've had dreams, but I, you know, of like it happening, you know, maybe yeah. I was thinking about it that night, but the, it happens just like it says, you might be shopping at the mall. Boom. Jesus is here, you know, yeah. or you may not be able to go to the mall cause it's closed down right now, but you may be making dinner and boom, <laughs> Jesus is here. And so, um, it's going to happen just like that, but at a time that we don't know. And so how yeah. important it is for us as Christians to be ready. That yeah. doesn't mean we're going to have be perfect like that doesn't mean we're telling you be legalistic and every day you better get it right or Jesus is going to come and you didn't get it right today (laughs) that's stressful and that Jesus obviously knows that that's not um uh uh, manageable but the heart and the pursuit of Jesus and wanting to live a life for him is different it's the heart of the matter and so um you know I really like that scripture starting off and um, going down, I know you talked about like uh, the tribulations and even uh, uh, martyrdom. And then like I, when I, you were talking about it, it made me think of the concept here when it's talking about getting the mark of the beast and like mm-hmm. um, at the end times and those who get it um, and f- worship Satan. And um, it, it made me think that at the same time, there's people who openly worship him and there's people that don't even um, actually realize that they are. Does that make sense? Like they're not... Um, actively like oh i i want to worship satan but they're going and the bible even has that scripture what's it say homer like if you're not for me you're against me pretty mm-hmm. much and if you're following the ways of satan and, and that concept like i i imagine that and like the imagery i got in my head is people real not realizing like i'm accepting the mark of the beast they're accepting mm-hmm. it not some people will accept it willingly but some people will accept it ignorantly yeah. you know and how sad is it to fall into something like that and accept something like that so ignorantly and unfortunately and have to suffer the consequences and so it just made me think even more um as christians even because even um in the new testament i'm getting out of breath because i'm like pregnant and trying to talk (laughs) um but in the new testament it even says that christians it says that even god's people some of god's people will be led astray don't be scared and think, oh, no, like, I can't be that person. Like, yeah. that's not to cause fear. But that what is that saying yeah. is that there will be some Christians that are the, the ones that don't really care to, to get that foundation of truth in their heart. They're just kind of going with the flow. And unfortunately, they will be led astray. If people are, it, it says that someone will say, Jesus is coming. He's over here. And they'll run to him. Oh, Jesus is over here. But then it says after that, Jesus will come, you know, through the sky with fire and clouds who will come one way. He's not going to just be here or there and someone's not going to just tell you randomly. And so how important it is as a Christian to not um, fall into something like this, you know, to that extreme because of our ignorance. You know, we're not willingly wanting to worship Satan, but sometimes our ignorance, you know, says people uh, perish for a lack of knowledge. Mm. And so how important as Christians should we pursue knowledge in the word and in the foundation and truth in Christ? Not YouTube channels, not Amen. all these crazy articles Amen. and following these crazy people. There is some interesting stuff out there. Let's just start with the Bible, guys. Like, if you want to know more of God, please yeah. stay off of Google and YouTube. Get into the word. That is where to find the truth. And so those are all the different thoughts so far I have. You know, that was so powerful, Lauren. And what I really like... Um, the the way that you're describing that the for the lack of knowledge we perish mm-hmm. and so often we get uh, people get hung up on the most random crap mm-hmm. and instead of just reading the bible themselves yeah. they would rather um, uh, some random human being to to tell them what it says mm-hmm. 
And I think that's the most dangerous way to go about finding God through somebody else, because that's what Jesus was. He was the, the avenue for us to find God and to try to go through somebody else to teach us. I mean, there's so many people that are in Bible college who only enrolled into Bible college because they couldn't read the Bible themselves. They just didn't, they just couldn't get the habit down. And so they wanted somebody else to teach them the Bible. Mm. And guys, that, that's just wrong. It's you, it's just silly. And you just need to really start reading scripture yourself. And even the other thing I want to point out is that oftentimes when it comes to the end times, people get hung up on like one weird thing. Like, oh, there's news. I heard this news article that people heard trumpets like it's the end times or, oh, this chip. Is it the mark of the beast? And like people get hung up on random things. And I want to just point out that when you are living an active Christian lifestyle, you don't need to worry about getting hung up on the details. You will see it so clearly and evidently that you won't you won't be curious like, oh my gosh, is this it? Mm-hmm. I mean, even think about the mark of the beast for a second. In Revelation, it also says that those who are Christ followers that had God's mark on their foreheads were not to be uh, uh, like attacked or experienced certain tribulations. And so... If, if Christians don't have a, a, a seeable mark in the physical, maybe the mark of the beast may not be that uh, physical mark either. Just think about the possibility that we're focusing on the stupid stuff. Yeah. What if the mark of the beast, when it says on their forehead and on their, on their hand, on their wrist, that it's saying that their thoughts are of the mark of the beast? That their thoughts, the way that they think is evil. They're, that the mark on their hand is actually the way that they live. If their actions are evil. That they are making up, that they were, just like Lauren was saying, that they're following the devil unknowingly mm-hmm. in their actions. Or they're following the devil willingly and knowingly with their mind. It, it, it is really silly to get hung up on these details. And you're missing the whole picture of, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. All of scripture is pointing to Jesus, not the mark of the beast. And if we get hung up on the, that, we're, we're, we're allowing really the, the, our, the devil to, to cause us to give him unnecessary attention. Mm-hmm. Focus on Jesus instead of the Antichrist. Focus on Jesus and his glory instead of the possibility of who the beast is. Mm-hmm. Um, I want us to really uh, go into the signs of the times. And I... It, what Lauren's talking about being knowledgeable knowledgeable of scripture and reading it yourself I want to read to you Matthew 25 verses 1 through 13 Jesus is talking about the end times and he gives us now this parable of the ten bridesmaids he says then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came 
And then those who were ready went in with the, to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. So this parable is using Jesus as the groom and Christians as the bridesmaids, both the foolish and the wise ones. So both the foolish ones and the wise ones are represented as believers. And it says that that uh, it gives so much emphasis on items, and there's a lot of analogy here. And every time I've heard a message talk about this specific scripture, the emphasis is always on the oil. And I always felt like I've heard the the description of the oil was very vague and not quantifiable. It was just like a, the oil represented like your relationship with God or it represented the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have this, then it's just like it was always just a weird analogy and it wasn't something that I could quantify or understand. I really believe that the emphasis should be made on the lamps instead of the oil. When I put the emphasis on the lamps, I could use scripture like in one Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Your word is a light, a lamp for my feet, a guide for my path. And so, uh, I really believe that the lamp represented uh, represents the acknowledgement and knowledge of Scripture. Mm-hmm. That when we are when we have knowledge of Scripture, it causes us to recognize when the groom is coming. Mm-hmm. When we have an acknowledgement of Scripture, it's easy to to tell when Jesus is about to show up. Mm-hmm. And the oil, what I believe, represents is the devotion that is pressed into the scripture to retain and understand the scripture. Mm-hmm. Olive oil is represented as an oil that comes from a pressing, mm-hmm. a pressing, a devotional pressing that com- that produces an oil that causes it to be able to burn. Mm-hmm. And when we see it like that, this devotion that's pressed can lead us to, to retain scripture, to understand scripture, so that we could really acknowledge what we are, how we ought to live, and uh, what kind of times we're really in. This, and the, even further, the reason I believe that it's about scripture and knowledge of that scripture, just like Lauren said earlier, for the lack of knowledge, people perish. But also the scripture uh, tells us, scripture tells us to study it. The Bible tells us that we should study the Bible as believers. The kings in those days, they were supposed to read the Bible every single day. And in Psalms, it says that in Psalms and other parts of the New Testament, it says that God has called us kings and queens, priests. Uh, for And so why should we not ought to also read it daily? And the reason I believe that it's referencing to Scripture is because there's connotation to being foolish and wise. Those are things referring to intellect and knowledge. If it had something to do with the Holy Spirit, you could be dumb and filled with the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> it, it, you, can, you can be ignorant and be filled with the Holy Spirit. But it says that there's something that we get to decide. That's what the lamps and the oil represent. And... And so, again, that's why I think that when we're looking at Scripture, 
When we study it, we are able to quickly recognize the signs of Jesus and the signs of evil. And so with all that being said, we're getting into a lot of stuff today. And I know that even just as we've talked about all this, we've given a lot of background and we've given a lot of information. I'm going to try to go uh, uh, go kind of quickly here. And um, some of you, you might have to make this a, a two-part a message where you, you press pause, remember the time, and you come back to it when you're ready. Because this is what we're talking about is really, uh, I really pray that it's something that edifies and grows your faith. And so I want us to talk about the idea of the signs of the end times and the, the, the idea of how important location is. In America, we have a really incredible privilege so far of not having major war on our own land since the American Revolution and besides the Civil War. And so, in fact, um, when there is anything uh, askew to the norm of our life in our country, we often go into the stance that the world is ending. <laughs> if anything goes wrong in America, it's like, it's the end of the world. If someone gets elected president, it's the end of the world. That's the Antichrist. And we're so fixated with the world revolving around us. When in fact, other countries, it is the norm to have chaos of a broken government. It is the norm to have broken systems. It's the norm to have abusive powers. It's the norm to have extreme poverty due to constant wars. That's the norm for them. Yeah. But for us, it's abnormal. And so when we witness it, we're, we're so privileged because of our country that, that we think the whole world is ending. And so I, wanna, uh, I say that to say that just because our country is going through a lot of change is not the reason that I think it's apparent for us to talk about the end times. But while reading scripture, it is apparent to look through the lens of location and culture and where it was taking place. Most prophecy, a lot of prophecy in scripture, is referencing to things in Israel and the Middle Eastern world. And nothing to do with our Western world. A lot of things have nothing to do with America. In fact, a lot of the prophecies that people talk about or, th or think that are happening are things that have actually already happened. A lot of scriptures where people thought it was the end times, it was actually referencing the fall of Israel when Roman completely slaughtered everybody there, uh, when the Roman government slaughtered everyone. And so a lot of it has nothing to do with America, uh, and a lot has already been fulfilled. But when we're talking about the end times... I think that, that when we're considering the end times, I don't think it is actually far-fetched to look at the centerpiece being referenced in America at different points. Because prophecy is often misunderstood when it's given, but makes complete sense after it's happened. Mm -hmm. America could be the center stage of a lot of prophecy because it has become the home base for Christianity and the Christian faith. For the entire world. No other country produces more churches, more missionaries, more Bibles, more donations than the U.S. And so it would make sense for it to be the focal point in the end times. Some could even argue that the, that the U.S. at this point in time is like uh, Christianity's um, home base, its hub, its source um, when it comes to modern day Christianity. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of studies and, and uh, um, theologians that 
that argue that if Paul went to Mesopotamia um, and, uh, and, and instead of uh, going elsewhere because of his the dream that he had, um, that if he went to Asia instead of Mesopotamia, that, that uh, him taking the Christian faith to Asia, that it would have died because of the extreme paganism. But because he went west instead of east, it caused it to continue to grow all the way to what we have in the U.S. today. It's like thousands of years ago, God and the Holy Spirit guiding Paul to bring Christianity to form today how it is. So, but with all that being said, I'm not saying just because we have a bad uh, bad things happen in our country. That's the end of the world. Um, signs that the end, other signs of the end times is a destroying of good and promoting of what is evil or sinful. An attack on the worship of God. Anything that desires to stop the worship of God, no matter what the motive is, it doesn't matter if the motive is seemingly good. If there is anything that pushes for the hindrance of worship of God, it is from the spirit of the Antichrist, even if it sounds good. And, and so when we understand things like that, um, the same goes for anything that desires to slow or stop the furtherment of the gospel message. In the extremity of the end times, it says that followers of Christ will be beheaded while that sounds like a distant future thing, like, I mean, we're talking about the destroying of good, promoting of what is evil, an attack on the worship of God. Right now, it just, it might sound minuscule to some that, that places like California that are saying, don't sing in church. Mm-hmm. Don't, and for Christians, it's a huge attack saying, don't worship God out loud. Yeah. But for others, like, oh, that's not even a big deal. You're making a big huff over nothing. But for the Christian walk, that's a huge, huge deal. Mm-hmm. And the idea of reading about people, uh, the Bible says that Christians will be beheaded in the end times, that they will be attacked. Right now, it might seem like that's we're not anywhere near that. I would say that it is, it is actually um, not such a distant future. The gospel message has been labeled as one of the most intolerant messages of our world even though it's actually the most inclusive belief and that has ever been in history. It's the most inclusive uh, God that has ever been known, yet it's labeled as the most intolerant one. Mm-hmm. And it, because if, it, if we are already attacked and that it enrages certain people to the point of attack now, to where not only in distant countries, not only in, in communist countries where Christians are attacked and killed in the streets, but even in America, there's people that are, are attacked and people that are hated because of their faith. I don't think it is such a distant future when today people are attacked in broad daylight simply based off of who they voted for. If that's just based off of who they voted for, is it that much far-fetched to see uh, the, an entire belief system? Y'all, y'all dig what I'm saying? And... Some other signs of the end times is lawlessness, whatever seems good or right to the person, um, that sinfulness without restraint. And we are in a time where everything is becoming subjective to the individual. From sexuality to violence, more and more people are justifying the things that were once morally wrong. Everything is just becoming uh, acceptable if that's the way you do things. And while I, I get the fact that um, as a Christian, 
I, it, to me, it doesn't matter if someone wants to live a life of sinfulness because if they don't care anything about Jesus, they have no obligation uh, if they have no obligation to live a Christian life if they don't want to be a Christian. But it's, it's so much more than that. It's becoming almost like uh, offensive to live, to try to pursue holiness. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, even right now, I would go as far to say that soon pedophilia will be permissible if the child agrees to it. It's not a big jump if people already say, are trying to say that by the age of four, a child should be introduced to sexuality and orientation and that they should be forced to choose and make a decision of whether they want to be a boy or girl or other mm-hmm. at the age of four. If you can make such a huge decision in your whole uh, at the age of four, the emphasis of sex and gender is that emphasized to where you have to make a choice. Is it that big of a jump to say that they're they have the decision of who they want to love y'all get what i'm saying again i'm talking from uh the the christian faith and perspective and this idea that that morality is subjective is just is just going completely in the direction of lawlessness and then finally one that i wanted to hit on is that in the end times there will be wars and rumors of wars and it also says that there's going to be normality, that everyone will still be living like normal in the times of Noah. I really believe that now is a time where our nations have more secrecy than ever before. I'm not just talking about the U.S., but all nations, to where we have actual rumors of wars that we may be fighting but are not sure. We, we have suspicions that a war is going on or that we are fighting other countries, but we don't really know for sure because of how secretive our governments are. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the fruition of rumors of wars. And when it's talking about all these tribulations in the end times, it sounds like complete hell, like so earthquakes, famine, death, war, all this stuff. And yet it also says that people will still be marrying one another, that people will still be uh, shopping and, and selling, that even in the now, uh, there's chaos all around our country. Think about right now, there's chaos all over our country, all over the world. And I've heard so many times, people uh, 60 and older, I'm, and I say 60 or older because they've been along uh, longer than I have, twice as long as I've been alive. And people that uh, of age are saying they've never seen anything like today. They've never seen anything like today because of all the chaos that's going on in our country and around the world. Yet, everyone is carrying on as normal. Think about your life. You can look at the TV and say, oh my gosh, like this whole state is falling apart. Though Everyone's dying. It's crazy. Fires everywhere. And... And yet your life is just back to normal. Your, yeah. your life, you're just carrying on as a normal life. And even though chaos is great all around you, people are working, buying, selling, marrying, and so on as if everything was normal, just like in the days of Noah. Um, you know, I know that we, we only have one last thing to talk about, but Lauren, I went over a whole bunch of stuff. What do you have, uh, what are your thoughts about what, everything that was said? Yeah. Um. You, I tried to just keep going because yeah, that helps. Trying so to just and that way it all gets thrown up on you, right? Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of different. I really like everything that you shared. Um, 
And one thing that you were talking about, kind of at the beginning, so I know we talked about a lot and I'm kind of backtracking, yeah. but you talked about like um, the bridesmaids and, and the importance of like, like I talked about earlier too, the knowledge of the word of God and how honestly it prepares you. And, and sometimes as Christians, you know, we think, okay, yeah, like I like it, you know, I read it, it's good. Yeah. And, but you know, the Bible even describes the Bible um, as the bread of life. You know, and so nourishment to our spirit and, and it builds and strengthens our spirit up. And just like us, as we eat, we know that whether we're indulging in pizza or eating because we need to, we need to fuel our body with nutrients to continue to do what it needs to do, to continue to have energy and, and just accomplish your daily task. Even, you know, when you don't have food for a long period of time, you feel famished, you feel weak, you feel tired, you feel many different ugly feelings. And so how much more our spirit, so many times as Christians, and I've been there, um, definitely. So I don't want you to ever feel like we're like, you need to read your Bible. We're not those kind of people that bash the Bible over your head and say, you need to read it or you're a bad Christian. It's totally not like that. But what we will say and what I've experienced is that in the same way that our body needs food to be able to function is how our spirit works. The word of God, the knowledge of God is bread, is nourishment for our spirit. So there may be times in your life, and I have experienced in my life too, where I feel weak in my spirit, where I feel discouraged, like overly discouraged, where I just feel tired and not motivated and I don't really want to do the whole God thing. You know, like I want God, but I don't want to put any effort into it. You know, so on and so forth. And I don't know if you ever felt like that, but I always go back to realize like, have I had any genuine time in the word? You know, and I notice when I have that genuine time in the word, whether it's five minutes or as long as you possibly can, depending on, you know, your certain uh, uh, lifestyle and your schedule and all those things. But when you spend time in the word, it nourishes your spirit. It strengthens your spirit um, to, to, for, for many different things, not only to feel strong in your spirit as a Christian, you know, but it gives you the knowledge you need to not just go with the, every wave of new teaching, like the Bible says. When you're founded in the scripture, you are strong against all the different deceptive lies and things that will come your way. You know, and even when it comes to sin, when it comes to, um, you know, the things that we struggle with, I will say that no matter if you have a Bible right, you know, right next to you, that doesn't mean that it's going to, oh, okay, I have a Bible here. I read my Psalms today, so I'm not going to sin. Like, that's what the Bible does. You know, you know, we know that. And so, but my point is, is it will strengthen your spirit. You know, honestly, that doesn't mean it's like, okay, I read my Bible and I'm just, I'm just going to do this. But it literally strengthens your spirit. When you have the word flowing through your heart and through your head, literally, there's been times um, where it's, it reminds me in those moments of temptation or those moments of frustration where I just want to like retaliate or, or, you know, fall into something that's not beneficial for me. That when you are allowing the word of God to penetrate your heart and fill your mind, it will speak to you. Yeah. The Holy Spirit will remind you of the scripture that you allowed within you. And so, um, and that will, will help you navigate through life. And so I hope that makes sense. But I guess my point is, is, you know, there might be a question, well, should I read it every day? Is it bad if I don't? Like, how often should I read it? That this is not to say um, there's a certain answer to that. But how much do you want to nourish your spirit? You know, how much do you want to be able to strengthen your spirit? You know, I have found when I do spend time in the word daily, 
that my spirit feels stronger. I feel better. You know, just like some of you might enjoy working out or some of you might enjoy your you time, whether that's taking a walk or just chilling. You need that for some, like it fulfills something. So how much more does the word of God fulfill your daily need? And so I know I kind of went on a tangent, but I feel very like strongly about um, just the word of God and like the importance in it. And you don't have to feel intimidated. Like, where do I start? I don't understand it. We've all been there, but I tell you, the the word of God it says it's alive and powerful, yeah. and it will speak to you. It's okay if you don't understand it right away. God's Holy Spirit will explain it to you in cool yeah. ways. Like we've, you know, we don't mind talking to you and even giving you, um, um, as we learned along the way, we've learned different versions that are more understandable. There's yeah. study Bibles that breaks up down what is confusing. You know, there's different tools that will help you. Um, understand the Bible. So don't be afraid, but get into it. Yeah. And don't be afraid to to hey, ask somebody that you feel like might be able to help you. Like, where do I start? We got your back, you know? And yeah. um, so I could go on and on, but I just, you know, you get my point. Yeah, it, and I don't even want to emphasize what Lauren's saying. Um, she she really helps bring the softer tone. I get so, when I start talking, I'm like, I get real into it, you oh, know? But it what i what i really agree with lauren is this idea about reading scripture how it it's something that we fall short on everyone falls short it's not about um it's not about the times that we fall short it's about the pursuit that we have that's what it's more about and it makes me think of our daughter joy and every night we yeah. we uh we have like little scriptures that we read her and we have affirmations that we say but it makes me just think about we go over the abc's yeah and the this little kid a two-year-old is retaining abcs and um so cute (laughs) and and when it's so impressive when you see this little two-year-old that like knows what she's talking about and we even taught her little hand motions well lauren did all the work no we do it together lauren lauren taught little hand motions to the scripture to where she it's so cute but she's like, like good whom news. have I yeah. in heaven but you? Mm-hmm. And I desire you more. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Psalm re- 73, check it out. It's really cute. <laughs> and a two-year-old is able to grasp like, re- and retain, and she remembers. And when I think about, well, how did, man, how did she get to this point where she remembers Scripture, mm-hmm. where she remembers good the point. ABCs, to where when Elmo says the ABCs, <laughs> she starts pointing at the wall, because that's how we do the ABCs. Mm-hmm. And... How does she do it? Is because every night we do it. Yeah. And it's that simple. Even if it's just a scripture, guys, mm-hmm. if you're at least reading a, imagine just like making a point to read at least one scripture every day. Yeah. We're not telling, we're not trying to tell you to do something that you can't handle. We're not telling you to do one book of the Bible a day. We're not even telling you to do one chapter a day. But imagine if you made it emphasis to try to do a scripture a day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's where a lot of us started. Yeah. And, and it's the daily discipline mm-hmm. that causes the retention, that causes the growth. And when you, just like what Lauren was saying, when you think, well, how often should I do it? I mean, how often do you watch Netflix? How often do you do other things? Yeah. And instead of just checking out, check into God. And um, in whatever way your lifestyle is, you just need to adapt and get creative to make it work. For yeah. us, we have two kids and three other kids and another kid on the way and a dog oh. and a couple plants that we water too yeah. much. We're, we get really overloaded sometimes. Yeah. 
And we can no longer read scripture like we used to for our daily devotions. With your cup of coffee. Yeah. Says, Take journal your time. out with our yeah. pen. Uh, <laughs> no, it, we just can't do it like that anymore. And so the way that we've found to do our daily readings, and this is just, again, trying to be creative for you guys to grow, is that we go on a walk every morning with our daughters, mm-hmm. and on our walk, we both put in our headphones and we listen to our readings that day. Mm-hmm. We do a one-year reading plan and we go through the entire Bible every year and we just listen to our readings. It it literally, we're done with the readings a quarter of the way into the walk mm-hmm. and it's so cool because we, we listen to them together and then we talk about what we just listened to. Yeah. And it's been the funnest way I've ever read the Bible, yeah, just being able to share directly after um, with my wife, with my my best friend, mm-hmm. and share about what we read. It's more than I've ever jotted down or journaled before, just because yeah. I'm talking about it and listening to it. And so again, it's it's different than the way we used to, but we we know we knew that we needed to make it work now. Yeah. And so that's what you need to do is figure out what works for you now. If it is on your way to work while driving to your car, you listen to your readings. Do it. Yeah. Just like make it work for you. Don't. Don't set your standards so high to where when you feel like you don't meet it, you fail, and then yeah. you're so discouraged you never read the Bible again. Just just take baby steps. Yeah. And so I just had to share all that before. I didn't mean to yeah. cut you off. No, that was good. Yeah. And just on that note, and I don't know we can go to the, the last point. There's um, a lot of good things you share, but that's really what popped out to me. But even like how you know you mentioned like we talk about it, and it really like edifies what we read in, in faith. Um, in our faith and the bible even says that iron sharpens iron just like a friend sharpens a friend and so my point with that is hey laura um i see your comments i just want to thank you for joining and um, hope you're doing well miss you um but um just like that says the importance of community i know right now it makes it so hard to have community with everything going Mm -hmm. on but even when it comes to your reading the word if there's someone whether in person or a friend that you're like hey you want to do this together like sometimes it helps whether you zoom call but whether you just text like hey did you read it today um what did you think you know this is what i thought you know what questions do you have and and even for my our mom's group uh, grave top revive moms (laughs) anyone want to join let me know yeah um but we decided we want to do a, a biblical like a, a mom's devotional every day with the bible scriptures and it's a devotion and reflection we decided we want to do it every day um, get by one and read it together and um what my point in sharing that is it's so edifying when there's someone yeah. that you can talk about um these things with it helps you get like when we talk about it, it's like oh yeah. i thought this you thought this oh i didn't see it that way and it really just sharpens and you might feel like oh yeah i know someone or maybe you feel like you don't you know, hey, we've all been in those different stages of life. It's yeah. okay, but hey, we're here. <laughs> you know, don't ever hesitate to reach out to us or find a friend that maybe, hey, you want to start reading the Bible with me? Um, and, and there's just different ways. But my point is, is community, friendship, it, it always helps encourage your faith yeah. to do it with somebody or, or a group of people. And so that was my little side tangent, yeah. but we can um, move on to that last point. Okay. Yeah. And thanks Let's for sharing this. that, Lauren. Yeah. That was powerful. And as we share this last point... I want to just say that the the when I, when I was praying about this that I really felt like the Holy Spirit was calling us to get into action. And so this is not um like a rebuke circle. This is like hey, I think it's time for us to rise up. I think that we've been we've been chilling enough. Yeah. And the it, it's like I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying that 
we've been we've been having it in our minds. Well, when things get back to normal, then I'll then I'll get back on it. Mm-hmm. Um, when when things get back to normal, then I'm gonna start really going to church. Then I'm really gonna start reading the Bible when things get back to normal. And I really feel like the Holy Spirit is saying that there is no back to normal. That there that like they we need to get our crap together right now. Yeah. And this last part, I, I really hope that it speaks to you. Because I really believe that God is wanting for us to stop having a passive faith, Mm. to stop being passive in our faith and really start pursuing him, pursuing him and finding him in our homes, in our lives and stop being so reliant off of somebody telling us what to do Mm. or telling us how to be a Christian or just trying to be a churchgoer. Mm. God is really calling us out. And I want to read this last scripture to you guys. And I want to just, look, I love you guys. I'm not perfect. Lauren's not perfect. She seems perfect, but she's mm, not. Far from um, it. But I really feel like the Holy Spirit is telling us, like, hey, get up. Yeah. And so in this last scripture, it says in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit upon His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in His presence, and He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at His right hand and the goats at His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me then these righteous ones will reply lord when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you and the king will say i tell you the truth when he did it to the one of the least of these my brothers and my sisters you were doing it to me Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison and not help you and he will answer I tell you the truth when you refused to help the least of these my brothers and sisters you were refusing to help me and they will go away in eternal punishment but the righteous will go into eternal life now I really I know I even read that like powerfully right that. yeah you mm-hmm. felt that yeah. right mm-hmm. and as we really uh, just in the last couple of minutes diagnosis, we're going to have to restart on Instagram real fast. And so just tune back in, guys. We love you. And Facebook, just give us a second. And um, as, Lauren, uh, as Lauren prepares this real quick, um, I, I want to really encourage you guys in this verse that, that this is a really powerful verse that is showing us a very clear idea of what Jesus expects from us, of what he wants from us. And so um, 
uh, we're we're finishing up Instagram right now. We want them to be a part for this too. But that verse, that scripture verse is Matthew twenty five verses thirty one through forty six. Hey, Instagram, glad you guys are back. Sorry for having to make a part two for you guys. And so we just read Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. And it, I, I know I read it kind of intense. No, but you read it how you read it. It was good. It, it was good, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I want us to just really look at is that we need a holiness standard and practice in our life. Holiness is a repentant lifestyle. Holiness is a repentant lifestyle. And guys, I'm going to just say this. Repentant lifestyle, it just means to turn away. It just means to stop living in unrestrained sin. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you're going to slip up here and there. It doesn't mean that uh, that, uh, you're not going to have like mishaps and stuff. But living repentant lifestyle is just saying stop indulging in sin and just say like hey you know i've been saying i'm going to stop this for a long time today's the day i'm not going to continue putting it off to tomorrow what i need to do today i need to do right now it's done i really want to stop and there's other things guys i know it's hard to stop and it's like a a journey more than like one one last time Mm -hmm. but i want you to just really take hold that god calls us to live a holy lifestyle and whatever it is that you think of, when I say repent, that's probably something that God is calling you to stop. And it's because God calls us to live holy, moral lives and that there should be a standard we hold up. Yeah. Again, no one's perfect, no one's holy, and that holiness does not earn God's love for you. God loves you regardless if you're filthy or you think you're clean. Mm. It, he loves you. The holiness does not earn God's love. Yeah. Now, the other part of this, this is the part that I really want to emphasize on, and it's a righteous standard. We just said a holy standard, now a righteous standard. Holiness is, the, I, for me, it's the stop doing things. Mm-hmm. The righteous is doing the right things. Mm-hmm. Once you move on from repentance, then it turns into what you ought to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what righteousness is. And this whole part that Jesus gives is righteous living. When he's saying, you fed me, you visited me, you took me into your home. And guys, I really believe that most Christians struggle with righteous living more than they do with holiness living. There's not, it's like with a lot of Christians, the only sinful practice that they struggle with is sexual sin. The majority of Christians that we've met is like, oh, I just like, it's hard for me not to have sex. Like, you know, it's, they're not doing necessarily horrible things. They have integrity. They're not stealing. They're not lying. They're really trying to be good, but it's like, they just get all hot and bothered and they can't restrain themselves. And let me just say that God calls us to live holy and pure lives and that God wants us to wait till marriage. Mm Me and Lauren barely made it, okay? We made it, but uh, uh, barely. Yeah. I mean, that's and we're reading our Bible on the daily, I'm telling you. Yeah. Just, yeah. Things got hard. Okay. <laughs> Why do you got to make it like that? <laughs> but what I think Christians struggle with the most is righteous living, and that is doing what they ought to do. And I don't know if it's an integrity thing to where people just feel like they are not good enough to make a difference, they're not worthy enough, whatever it is. But... I'm, I, I really um, 
I'm going to use our kids as an example. You guys know us. We have three amazing kids, um, Julian, Edward, Tamara, and they are kids that, that we took in, that we foster, and they are just part of our family now, indefinitely. And they always will know where Christmas is. They will always know where Thanksgiving is. And I say that to you guys because it's something evident. They're here with us in the other room, and they are like literally the loves of my life. And what what really angers me is that the the lack of the 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 lack of initiative, the great hesitation there was to take kids in. And, and when me and my wife took them in, we were it, it, we were not in perfect positions, but it was so clear of what we ought to do. Mm. And I'm now I'm so grateful nobody else did because we wouldn't have the amazing family that we have now. Mm. But I want to just make it really. I just want to like call the elephant out in the room that they should not have had to wait so long for Christians to take them into their home. Mm. It was the right thing to do, and there is no prayer that is required to do what God calls us to do. Mm. God calls us to take care of the widows and the orphans. God calls us to love our neighbor. People all the time in church want to say that they want to be like the churches of the books of Acts. Mm. And they say, oh, if the church could be like the book of Acts, the church of Acts where they were sharing this, but they can even take care of some kids. Mm. Think about that. It's ridiculous how self, uh, self-centered church is nowadays Mm. that to where we don't care about anybody else but ourselves we only want the message to make us feel good that day to make us feel like we're more spiritual but we really don't want to act on it and actually be christians to somebody else in the world see that is the problem where jesus is talking about here where we need to wake up get up and do something that god calls us to do and it is simple you don't have to take in a bunch of kids into your home but you do need to do something you need to do something. You need to clothe somebody. You need, to, you need to give to somebody. You need to feed somebody. You need to do something right. Yeah. Because the, Jesus is not about himself. He came to serve, not to be served. And he calls us to do the same. And so I really feel in this part of the message is what I've been waiting for. And it's time for us to get off of our butt mm. and be Christ-like, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to somebody else, be an answered prayer to somebody. I mean, it is is time to stop praying for yourself all the time Mm. and start being an answered prayer to somebody else. Mm. We need to be the change that the world needs. If we really want the end times to be further instead of sooner, we need to start acting like Christians because we're the last front. If for morality, for what is good. And if we just throw up our hands and just wait for it to go back to normal, then it's the end times now. But if we decide to start being Christians, to start loving the, the people that need to be loved, start giving of ourselves, to start living out these verses, then we can be a boomerang country. We could be a boomerang people to where the end time gets pushed back some farther distance because we have rejuvenated and revived the world's spirit with good Jesus love. Mm. But if we don't do anything, we just sit on our hands, well, Jesus might as well just come back. Yeah. I would say that in love. But guys, it's enough. It's enough. Yeah. What do you think about all that, Lauren? <laughs> uh, you're right on, babe. Right on. Um, 
it makes me think of uh, Joyce Meyer. <laughs> and uh, I know it sounds funny, but one thing that um, I used to love really listening to her back in the day, and one thing that she said that always, like, you know, there's those little things you get from people that never leave you. And one thing that she explained one time is that when you're going through something, you know, and, like, whatever it is, you're going through some emotional stuff or struggles, that so many times we just sit in it, we're praying, oh, I need to get through this, this is a hard season, like, life sucks, and you're just praying and waiting. She said, in those times, the very thing you need to do is get your, your thoughts off yourself, your, your prayers off yourself, and get out and go find someone who needs something. Yeah. You know, and it always stuck with me because, um, you know, we get so, as Christians, so concerned with our, our journey and our struggles, and, and we all get like that, right? Because we go through hard things and we, we want to feel better. But so many times we get to a place that we trap ourselves into focusing on ourselves so much that we're not able to see the needs right in front of us. Amen. And we make excuses of why we are not ready, why we're not in the right place, why we're not um, you know, worthy enough or whatever it looks like to not do what God's called us to do. The truth is, is this whole message, Jesus is coming back. Yeah. You know, when he comes back, what is he going to find find us doing? Are we going to just be sitting there crying like, okay, my life sucks? You know, I'm not trying to be mean. We've all been there. Trust Everyone's me. I sucks. probably cry today, you know, at some point because, man, it's tough sometimes. Yeah. Um, but um, my point is, is get your thoughts, get your prayers. Yes, pray for yourself. But who are you praying for? Ask God. God, send me someone to make a difference. And, and I tell you, when I've practiced that, when when um, God reminded me, like, get your, your thoughts off yourself, go help someone, it literally takes your mind off of your struggle. It, it takes your mind off what's going on, and you literally feel refreshed. You feel better. Like, you, you feel better helping people. Yeah. You know, and that's what we're called to do. And the Bible even says, when, when you refresh others, you yourself will be refreshed. I love that verse because if that's what you're needing, like, God, refresh me, revive me. Well, how about you start going out there and refreshing somebody, going out there and being yeah. an answered prayer? And God, the way his kingdom works is, you know, you do it first and then God has your back. You yeah. know, whatever that looks like, what you're sowing, you will reap. That doesn't mean every time you hear that verse, I sow what I reap or I reap what I sow. I'm going to get a million dollars. That's all I want. Get your mind off of getting these material blessings back. Like God will give you what you need when you need it. Whether it's that freedom, that breakthrough, that joy. But get out there and refresh somebody else. And you yourself will be refreshed. But there are needs surrounding you. You know, all of y'all listening um, have a specific circle around you that God has placed there for a reason. So there are people within that circle that need you, that need your life, that need your encouragement, that need your love, and that you have what they need. And so know that no matter where you stand, if you feel like you're on a high in life yeah. or a low in life, we've all been there. Just know that no matter where you are, you can make a difference. Yeah. You, you don't have to, I've, I believe that lie. Like I'm defeated right now. My, I'm just out of it. I can't be any of service to anybody. That's a lie. The devil doesn't that, isn't that a clever lie that makes sense that he'd be like, yeah, you can't make a difference. Don't believe that. Get yeah. out there and make a difference because your life is valuable. You have purpose no matter what season you're in, no matter what struggle you're struggling with, you have purpose. And so get out there and just do it and get your mind off yourself and it will help. Amen. You know, that's, that's so good, Lauren. Mm. And when, even as you were saying that, I can't really think of very many times where Jesus prayed for himself. The only time that I can think of is when he prayed for himself in the garden of Gethsemane, when he was about to give of himself at the cross. 
That's the only time I can think of Jesus praying for himself. Yeah. Every other time he's praying for others. And I mean, honestly, guys, Christians, we as Christians, we need to get rid of the emotional uh, the emotionalism. We have emotions, yes, and it, those are good, God-given. God gives us those emo- those emotions, and He cares about how we feel. But we have turned our spiritual walk into an emotionalism, yeah. uh, uh, emotionalistic, cr- crappy way of life. It is not all Christianity is not all about just finding out our father wounds and crying about it. Mm-hmm. It is about being spiritual backbone people that make yeah. a difference in the world. Some of us, some of you guys need to just go out and give $10 to the next person you see on the street. You just need to do something. And it's time for us to, to really stop. Just stop. We, we really need to stop being passive Christians and start pursuing what God wants us to do instead of just saying, God, what are you going to do in my life? What are you going to do in my life? God, what do you want me to do in somebody else's life? Yeah. And so I'm going to re-preach that whole thing if yeah. we don't stop. So yeah. so with that being said, I, I am so grateful for you guys tuning in. Yeah. Harry, thank you for that, man. Preach it. Uh, Eddie, I'm so glad you got to tune in. Mary Kate and Dean, Laura, thank you so much for sharing uh, sharing that with so us. So glad you're a part. I look forward to connecting with you more, Laura, and we miss you. Kayvon, I see you. Glad you're a part too. Yeah, <laughs> we're so grateful for all you guys. We want you to know that you always have a home and family at Grape Top Church. We love you. And if at some point in this message you were you were impacted, at some point maybe you were a, a person that said, man, I have never really made a decision to follow Christ. I've never made a decision. I just grew up this way, or maybe you didn't, you just, you never grew up this way at all. You just kind of like been bumping shoulders with Christianity. Mm-hmm. If I would go as far to say, if you cannot remember an exact day where you really committed to Christ and you know that you need to now, I, I'm, I want you to just know that Jesus made it so simple. He said, if you just believe in your heart, mm-hmm. And confess with your mouth. What that is is saying, really mean it and say it out loud. Yeah. That surely you shall be saved. And it's all he wants is for us to, to find him and worship him in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. To have a relationship in spirit and in truth. And if that's you, I want you to just pray with me. Say, Jesus, I really want to make this real. I want to have a true relationship with you. I don't want religion. I don't even want the, the, the churchianity. I want Christ in my life. And I want to get passionate about what I believe in. So, Jesus, would you be the Lord of my life? Be the Savior to my soul. I want to live like a righteous person the way you describe in the scripture. I want to be holy. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the dead. That you are who you said you are. Now you paid for my sins on the cross. I believe this and I want a changed heart now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that, we want to connect with you. We want you to know that you're loved and that you don't have to walk alone. And if at some point in this message you just got fired up, you're like, yeah, you know what? To hell with passive uh, passive living. I really want to get serious about walking and living out my faith. And maybe you still need a little more guidance. And you're like, all right, I'm all fired up. What do I do now? Message us, dude. We, we want to connect with you and walk with you and help you along the journey. No one should have to do it alone. And so please let us know. With all that being said, um, we are so grateful for y'all tuning in. If Gravetop has made a difference in your life and 
and you want to connect through your giving, you, you have no idea how grateful we are for the people that trust us to be stewards of their tithes and their offerings. And it's because of your giving that we are able to continue to make a difference in church services like this and connecting with people that we do. We would not be able to be Gravetop without those who give. And so your support is what brought uh, this message today, is what brings the message to other people throughout the week. Yeah. And it's your support that helps us to reach people in, in juvie, it's a, in, the, in the juvenile systems. It's, it's your support that helps us to reach people that have not been reached. And we are so grateful for you. And if uh, if you God put it on your heart to start giving today, um, you can do that three major ways. You can go on to gravetop.com, click the give tab, and you can give straight online there. And it also gives you different ways to give. You can give by uh, third-party apps like Venmo or Cash App. You can even mail in your gift. Text to give. It says it all there. But um, we want you to know that we are so incredibly grateful for um, your giving, your generosity, your heart, and we would not be able to do what we do if you didn't see the vision of Grave Top Church, if, if you didn't trust us. So we're, we love you, and we're so proud of each of you being a part. Lauren, any, anything you want to say before we hop off? Um, I really enjoyed hanging out with y'all, and I really enjoyed this message, Homer. Um, and so, yeah, I look forward to seeing y'all next week, and I really look forward to connecting with y'all, especially during this time that is so hard to connect. Please know that um, virtually as much as we can, we want to hang out. We want to just be y'all's friend. And so don't be afraid to reach out to us um, and during this time. And so, yeah, y'all have a great night. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And a final goodbye to Harry what, waiting on my plane tickets. Come on down. Come See on down, <laughs> man. Um, and Laura, thank you so much for tuning in. We're so grateful for you guys. Um, but love y'all. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.